Um, I'm always nervous to give this sort of talk because um, I realise I'm talking to people who have a lot more experience than what I do. Uh, but it, it was uh, great to hear in uh, Faye's testimony that uh, when she first came along, she was having difficulties uh, in her marriage and the Lord healed it. So that I'm going to talk today about marriage and um, God, what we have to remember is that God designed marriage, okay? It's, it's God who designed it and so he wants to see it succeed. And so to hear a testimony like that uh, from Faye, uh, having difficulty in marriage, the Lord healed the marriage. And so it's something we all need to remember that if you're having difficulty in your marriage, pray about it. Because God wants it to succeed. That's his desire. He created marriage in the first place. Um, and so if, if you're, there is difficulty, pray to the Lord that he can heal that difficulty. And to hear that testimony today was just great. Thank you for that, Faye. Um, and the important thing, like uh, there's two individuals that come together. And of course you think you can do things better than the other person. <laughs> it's natural. Of course you think that. And of course, well, these little foibles they have, you want them to improve. You know, it's natural. <laughs> the way I do, it's better. But um, the thing is, when I go through these scriptures, I really want people to think of like what I can do. What I can do in the marriage. Not think, oh, what they must do in the marriage. It's what I can do. Uh, knowing that God designed it and God wants it to succeed. Okay? So go to uh, Matthew chapter 19. This is a bit of an odd start. But uh, Matthew chapter 19, I'll read a little bit of dialogue here between some disciples and Jesus. But it puts things into perspective a little bit. Matthew chapter 19. I've got a few scriptures, but I'll, uh, I'll get through them. So Matthew 19 and verse 3. So it's Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife? And they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And that's interesting. God has joined you together to your spouse. And as a result, let no person, no person get in the way, including those that are joined together. Now, I found this difficult to understand in the past. I'm like, well, People choose to get married. They choose who they're going to marry. But God's created the whole thing. It says here he's created male and female. He's created this desire to be with the opposite sex and to join in marriage. So God has joined us in marriage. And so let no man put asunder. And then it says in verse 7, They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication or adultery, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which put away, 
which is put away, doth commit adultery. And then the disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. It's an interesting thing here. So Jesus is saying, no, like let no man put asunder, let no person get in the way, uh, except for this one, one thing. So people have all sorts of lists of things and reasons why they want a divorce, um, opposite, different to this reason that Jesus has given. But what a point I want to make is in verse 10, the disciples say, well, hey, wait a minute, if that's the case, it's not good to marry. I mean, you can read it. It's like, it's not good for a woman to marry a man. Or it's not good for a man to marry a woman. You know, like they're just saying, ah, oh, it's too hard. Okay? And so, and, but then it, Jesus says, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it's given. Okay? God's created marriage. He's created us to be together. And so, in the flesh, it's too hard. In the flesh, it's like... Um, You'll have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. You know, if you're trying to do it in your own strength and trying to do it in your own flesh, ah, males will not get married. Okay? But if we think that God created marriage, then follow his guidance. Okay? Now, if you want a happy marriage, follow the scriptures. Simple as that. The scriptures uh, give advice that we don't like. When it comes to marriage, you know what the husband should do for the wife, what the wife should do for the husband. We don't like it in the flesh. But if you want a happy marriage, then do it. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So the wife submits to the husband and the husband submits to the wife. It's equal in the fear of God. So we have a fear of God, and so his instruction is to do this. And we'll read on. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. You know, the disciples said, why, why would you get married? This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Okay? It says here, like, basically, 
Jesus Christ laid his life down for the church and the church then makes Jesus the head. Jesus didn't make himself the head of the church. The church made him the head. And that applies in the marriage as well. The wife makes the husband the head. The husband does not make himself the head. Okay? There's no place for control either. Control doesn't belong in a marriage, but trust. And when you think about this, like it's so helpful for husbands to think about what Christ has done and is doing for the church and for wives to think about what the church has done and is doing for Christ and apply that in the marriage. And what, what I was thinking about this passage says that Jesus, Jesus Christ laid his life down for the church. When did he lay his life down for the church? He laid his life down when the church hated him. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So husbands, how are we going to do that? <laughs> lay your life down for your wife, even if she hates you. Amazing. Jesus Christ was the example, and that's what he's asking us to do, okay? And as the church, you know, as the church, the body of the church, we look to Jesus for everything. Uh, we look to him, and we, we submit to him. And it's the same with the wife to the husband. This the, these are great role models. Jesus is a great role model, and the successful church is a great role model to apply in the marriage in that way. And for the husbands to love the wife, and the, the wife, as it says here, to give reverence. And uh, there are decisions made that we don't always like, but hey, this is what we, uh, we, we apply the scriptural principles in that. Because we have wonderful spiritual examples. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation or any comfort in Christ, if any, oh, here we go, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfil ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the utter other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is instruction and guidance on how we are to treat our brothers and sisters. Well, it's superfluous to say that, our brothers in the Lord, because it's spiritual. And so remember, you've married a brother or sister. So in a marriage, we can sometimes forget that. You know, like you're living with each other day in, day out. And we can forget that we're actually living with a spirit-filled Christian who's walking in spirit and truth as best they can. And so it says here, um, you know, esteem the other better than themselves. So husband, esteem your wife better than yourself. Wife, esteem your husband better than yourself. You know, uh, you apply these things, humility, and uh, you look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the, uh, the things of others. So husband, not only your own things, but look on the things of your wife. Wife, not only on your own things, but the things of your husband. It's like uh, we, uh, we are subject to each other. And that's the thing I'm trying to impress here. We're all spirit-filled. We're equal in the eyes of the Lord. 
And these instructions and these guidance that are in the scriptures that are asking for us to apply it. And here as well, something that's important uh, that is so contrary to advice given elsewhere is not to be afraid of weakness. In the eyes of the Lord, weakness is good, like you're, you're subject to the other. So don't be afraid of weakness. You know, pray to the Lord about these things and the Lord can help, okay? Give you strength that way. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, and just one verse here, verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, bit of practical advice here. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So here, husbands, it says to provide for the house. That's the role. The role of the husband in all meekness, in all humility, being subject to the house, the husband is required to provide for the house. Okay? That is the burden that they must carry. Okay? And, uh, and often, you know, the wife can not really see that as a burden. You know, going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. But realise that it is a burden that the Lord has put on husbands to provide for the house. And it's so important, this burden is so important because it says here that if he doesn't provide for the house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so in a way, like this burden applies to the husbands. Oh, if I don't do it, I'm denying the faith and I'm worse than an infidel. There's that responsibility of the husband to do that, to provide for the house. But then we go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. But speak thou... The things which become sound doctrine, okay? That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behaviour as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Okay, I've said this before, and when with that passage is there, it must be that um, it's not completely natural for women to love their husbands. You know, they need help to see what the husband is doing for them, to realise that, hey, look, he's providing for the house, he's doing all this stuff. You know, I love him for what he does, uh, and to love their children. Okay, verse five: to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So it's our testimony. It's our testimony to uh, apply scriptural principles that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay? That, uh, that you put this effort in to, to do the best you can to uh, give God the glory. And in amongst that, like we said, I said before, read that passage in uh, 1 Timothy, that uh, the burden of the husband is to provide for the house. The burden of the wife is to keep the house. So there's this interesting thing here. So husbands, let the wife keep the house. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Your wife will not keep the house how you want it to be kept. <laughs> You're two different people. You're two different people. But in a way, this is where you subject unto them and you let them keep the house. That's her burden. 
Just like it's your burden to go and provide for the house. It's her burden to keep it, how she would keep it. It's her responsibility. And she does it in all meekness to the husband, keeping the house, keeping it running. You know, all these things that need to happen to keep a house. That's why it's considered a full-time job. Like, it's a burden that they must carry also to keep the house. Um, back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. It backs that up a little bit. And verse 14. So that's 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, or manage it, or keep it, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Okay? You're diligent about these things. And then back at verse 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. So to avoid that, the Lord's asking, look, do your work, keep the house. It's a full-time job. Keep the house. And husbands, let them keep it how they want to keep it. Um, so that you, you, it's all this testimony, so the adversary does not speak reproachfully, and you're not involved in all this tattling and going from house to house, busybodies and all that sort of stuff, because you're focused on keeping the house. Now, I'm not going to read it, but by all means read it uh, in, in your own time. Proverbs 31 really hits in the face what it means to keep the house. Proverbs chapter 31, well worth a read. It's a lot to do. It's an involved thing to keep the house. And husbands have regard for that, you know, that there is a lot to do and that they need a helping hand every now and again, right? Because that Proverbs 31 is pretty involved. And we hearken back to Matthew 19. Why would you get married? It's too hard, okay? But spiritually speaking, you've got your husband to help out as well when things are tough, when you're weak, whatever. And so you work together as a team. And likewise, the, uh, the husband's not isolated in being the head of the f- house. You know, He's got a wife to help him out with that. And so the husband also helps in his way, when he can, uh, with those things in keeping the house. It's a team. You're a team together. And Proverbs 31 outlines a lot there for you to read in your, um, at your own leisure. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And God's created men and women with characters that help us in our role. And what I discovered is, um, you know, I sometimes look at my wife, I think, man, that was amazing. How did you do that? That was amazing. And she shrugs and says, well, whatever, it's natural. And then other times she say it to me, like, wow, that was great. Hey? It's just natural. Like God's put these things in us, in male and female, for the other one to be pretty impressed with. Okay, he's designed a wonderful body here. And, uh, and for us to look to the other and have that regard. And it's just wonderful. It's fantastic, isn't it, when you're just doing something that's natural and the other one is pretty impressed. It's like, wow, this is great. You know, it's good. It's good fun. A happy marriage, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, 
be in subjection to your own husbands, that, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That's the testimony here. You know, we carry on applying the scriptures and those that uh, are not part of the kingdom of God will look at their spouse and think, wow, uh, what, a, uh, what a wonderful testimony there. Verse 3. While, oh, sorry, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing gold or of putting on apparel. Okay, this is an ancient problem where... Women in particular, men in the past sometimes, but women in particular go to so much trouble to dole themselves up and create this covering of beauty without realising the true beauty is inside. So verse 3, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. So in other words, if you want to impress your spouse, if you want to impress them, not with outward looks, you impress them in verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That meek and quiet spirit goes a long way and that uh, incorruptible hidden man of the heart is that true beauty. Verse 5, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, right? A knowledge, an understanding, a regard, giving honour to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Okay? Giving her honour as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together. You're equal. Okay? You're equal. And it's important here, husbands, that you give them honour as unto the weaker vessel, and look what happens when you give her honour. Your prayers are not hindered. So if you get to a point where you're not giving your wife honour, you may find your prayers are being hindered. So we want our prayers to be heard. We want God to be answering our prayers. So, husbands, give honour to your wife as unto the weaker vessel. Weaker being she has moments of strength and she has moments of weakness. She has, uh, there's times where uh, there's feeling that's happening and you can't work it out. But you give her honour that your prayers be not hindered knowing that that's how God's created us. That's how God, he put a lot of effort in creating us. He created a purposeful helpmeet, someone who was worthy to be a help, and that is woman. That's what God did, created it and made her that way. So giving her honour that our prayers be not hindered. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, 
Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So if you want the other to change, right, you see this whopping great big beam in your uh, spouse's eye, and you want them to change, pray about it. Okay, pray about it and let God change it. So what he's saying here is, okay, why do you behold, well, you see it as a beam, but it says, why do you behold this splinter that is in your spouse's eye, but you forget your own shortcomings? You forget about that. And what he's saying here, step back, you know, pray about it, remove this, the shortcomings out of your, your own life, and then you're in a position to remove it out there, but out of your spouses, but guess what happens? You remove, you, you realise through prayer you, you, and seeking the Lord, you realise you're just a person after all and you have uh, failings. And so then you realise that splinter is not worth worrying about. Okay? But sometimes there are big things in a marriage that need to be changed. And how can it be if you're pestering over and over and over again for them to change? Are they going to change? No. And if they do, it's going to be resentment. What works marvellously is praying to the Lord, seeking the Lord. Lord, you want this marriage to work. You want this marriage to be healed. You want us to have a happy marriage. Lord, help us. You know, in all subjection, in all meekness, Lord, help us. There's this thing that's going on that needs to change. Lord, do it. And keep praying and watch the Lord change things. Patience and watch it mould and watch it change. And it is truly glorious. Yeah, fair enough. You can cause change in the other person and it happens, but it's nowhere near as good if you leave it up to the Lord. And it changes miraculously. It's like, woo! Praise the Lord. What a glorious thing that is. So we, the Lord has to be completely wrapped up, all tied up in everything in the marriage to help us out and to help us to do that. And, sorry, I've just got here. You know, like, the other thing is, well, the other flip side, do you want to spend your whole life annoyed? You know, do you really want that? And trying to change the other. Or do you want a happy marriage? Okay? So uh, we all want a happy marriage. Penultimate scripture. Down, sorry, same chapter. Verse 12. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law of the prophets. In other words, if you don't want them to do something to you, don't do it back. <laughs> you know, or if something annoys you, why are you annoying them? I mean, it's natural. We're all people. <laughs> Ali often tells me I'm winding her up. Oops, sorry. In fact, uh, as a child, mum used to quote this scripture too. She used to quote this to my brother and I. You know, I like, do unto others that you want done to you. So I'd punch my brother. Mum, I want him to punch me back. <laughs> or when kayaking, I love splashing with water. I want him to splash back. You know, that's not what, a, what it means here. You give reverence. 
You know, in, you lead by example. Okay, a great way to uh, to create improvement is to lead by example, and uh, and to do things that uh, you would want done to you to the other. You know, that makes sense, right? You like things a certain way, so you do them back to the other person. You know, it's all sorts of circular stuff that builds into a, a wonderful relationship. So yeah, if you if you like being punched, then don't punch the opposite. You know, like, just apply wisdom. There's wisdom here, leading by example. Last scripture, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, just to finish up. So a lot of these scriptures that I've read today apply to us as saints in dealings with others in the fellowship. Okay? And I've chosen them for a reason, because that's how we apply in our dealings with our spouse. It's the same principles because they're also spirit-filled. They're a brother, sister in the Lord, trying to walk in truth. And here we have here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, you've married another child of God. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And we know Christ, Christos, the anointed, spiritual. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ, that were anointed of Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? You've married someone who is the child of the living God and an heir according to the promise. Give them that regard. Uh, Because in the kingdom of God, there's no longer different races. There's no lot, doesn't matter whether. Sorry, there's no longer slavery or freedom. There's no longer male or female. You're all equal. You're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, you're all equal in the eyes of the living God. And if you have that regard, uh, as you do other brethren in the assembly, you know, it can go a long way. Okay, thank you.